Chapter Twenty Four of Howarths. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Michelle Eaton. Howarths by Francis Hodgson Burnett. Chapter Twenty Four. At an end. When they stood in the road, Howarth laid his hand upon his companion's shoulder heavily. "'Come up to the works, lad,' he said, "'and let's have a bit of a talk.' His voice and his touch had something in common. Murdoch understood them both. There was no need for clearer speech. "'Why there?' he asked. "'It's quiet there. I've a fancy for it. "'I have no fancy against it, as well there as anywhere else.' "'Aye,' said Howarth. "'Not only as well, but better.' He led the way into his own room and struck a light. He flung his keys upon the table. They struck it with a heavy clang. Then he spoke his first words since they had turned from the gateway. Aye, he said, not only as well, but better. I'm at home here. If I'm out everywhere else, the place knows me and I know it. I'm best man here by, if I'm out everywhere else. He sat down at the table and rested his chin upon his hand. His hand shook and his forehead was clammy. Murdoch threw himself into the chair opposite to him. Go on, he said. Say what you have to say. Howarth bent forward a little. You've got on better than I'd have thought, lad, he said. Better than I'd have thought. What? Hoarsely. Does she treat me as she treats other men? Nay, said Howarth. Not as she treats me, by the Lord Harry. The deadly bitterness which possessed him was terrible. He was livid with it. I've thought of a good many, he said. I've looked on at em as they stood round her, chaps of her own sort, with money and the rest of it. But I never thought of you, not once. No, said Murdoch, I dare say not. No, not once, the man repeated. Get up and let's take a look at you, he said. Happen I've not had the right notion on you. Don't say anything you'll repent, said Murdoch. It's bad enough as it is but his words were like chaff before the wind. "'You,' cried the man, "'you were the chap that knew naught of women's ways. "'You'd scarce look one of them in the face. "'You're not the build I thought they took you. "'You told me that once before,' said Murdoch, with a bitter laugh. "'I've not forgotten it.' Howarth's clenched fist fell upon the table with a force, which made the keys ring. "'Blast you,' he said. "'You're nigher to her now than me.' Now, then, Murdoch answered, you may give up. Give up, was the reply. Nay, not that, my lad. I've not come to that yet. Then his rage broke forth again. You, to be going there on the quiet, he cried. You, to be making way with her and finding her easy to please and priding yourself on it. I please her, said Murdoch. I pride myself. He got up and began to pace the floor. You're mad, he said. Mad. Howarth checked himself to stare at him. What did you go for, he asked, if it wasn't for that? Murdoch stopped in his walk. He turned himself about. I don't know, he said. I don't know. Do you think, he said in a hushed voice, after the pause which followed, do you think I expect anything? Do you think I look forward or backward? Can you understand that it is enough as it stands, enough? 
Howarth still stared at him dully. Nay, he returned, that I cannot. I, to stand before her as a man with the best side which might win her favour, what is there in me that she should give me a thought when I am not near her? What have I done? What has my life been worth? It may be nothing in the end. Good God, nothing. He said it almost as if stunned. For the moment he was overwhelmed and had forgotten. You're nigher to her than I am, said Howarth. You think because you're one of the gentlemen sort. Gentlemen, said Murdoch speculatively. I, a gentleman. I damn you, said Howarth bitterly, and you know it. The very words seemed to rouse him. He shook his clenched hand. That city cried, that's where it is. You've got it in you, and you know it, and she knows it too. I have never asked myself whether I was or not, said Murdoch. I have not cared. What did it matter? What you said just now was true after all. I know nothing of women. I know little enough of men. I have been a dull fellow, I think, and slow to learn. I can only take what comes. He came back to the table and threw himself into his chair. Does either of us know what we came here for, he asked. We came to talk it over, was Howard's answer, and we've done it. Then if we've done it, let us go our ways. Nay, not yet, I've somewhat more to say. Say it, Murdoch replied, and let us have it over. It's this, he returned. You're a different chap from what I took you for, a different chap. I never thought of you, not once. You've said that before. I, grimly, I've said it before. Like enough I shall say it again. It sticks to me. We've been good friends after a manner, and that makes it stick to me. I don't say you're to blame. I haven't quite made the thing out yet. We're of a different build. There's been times before when I haven't quite been up to you. But we've been friends after a manner, and now the time's come when we're done with that. Done with it, repeated Murdoch mechanically. Aye, meeting his glance fully, done with it. We'll begin fair and square, lad, it's done with. Do you think, with deadly coolness, I'd stop at aught if the time come? He rose a little from his seat, bending forward. Nought's never come in my way yet that stopped me, he said. Things has gone again me, and I got the best on em in one way or another. I've not minded how. I've gone on till I've reached this. Nought stop me. Nought never shall. He fell back in his chair and wiped the cold sweat from his forehead with his handkerchief. I wish, he said, it had been another chap. I never thought of you. Not once. End of chapter 24